Hi and welcome to the Girl Next Door podcast. I'm your host Renee Bennett and this is a leadership podcast for ordinary girls compelled to lead an extraordinary life. Make sure you come and find me on social media, girlnextdoor.podcast. Hey guys, welcome to episode 55 of the Girl Next Door and it's the third episode this year for 2021. Last week, um, we just did the one episode, but this week for the very first time, we are now dropping two episodes a week. On a Monday is my parenthood uh, uh, episodes, and then on a Wednesday, just our usual kind of girl next door, which by the way, as you know, if you've been following me on social media, is for guys and girls both, um, since so many of you were asking if I could do it for both. So thank you so much for joining me. We are going to get right into today. Last week, I spoke about the conversation that changed my life, um, which happened when I was about 24. And I remember it to this day. In fact, it was so influential. It even is what the bio of this podcast is based on. So make sure you go back and listen to that. I've actually had quite a few people message me and just say, hey, I really needed to hear that. And um, so I'm really, really glad. So if you need a pep up to start off your 2021, make sure that you go back and listen to that. Today, I want to talk to you about how do you know who the greatest leader in the room is? If you were to walk into any room where there's a group of people, there's always multiple people who have leadership, but who is the greatest leader in the room? Now, this is really good news for all the quieter people out there. I know when I was younger, I thought that I didn't have or couldn't have any real leadership because my personality is a lot quieter and shyer by nature. But the greatest leader in the room is not the person who draws the most attention to themselves. It's not the person with the most charisma. It's not necessarily the person with the most charm or the one that's the most articulate. The greatest leader in the room is actually the one who takes the most responsibility Let me say that again so that can just sink into your psyche. The greatest leader in the room is the one who's willing to take the most responsibility. And you know where this assuming responsibility starts? It actually starts when we first learn to take personal responsibility. And I guess when I first heard this about the greatest leader in the room being the one willing to take responsibility, I thought, oh, the penny dropped, the light bulb went on, light bulb moment. That's why personal responsibility is so important to me because that's where we first learn it. It's in the little things. That's what I am always harping on about here on the podcast, uh, how important the little things are, how important it is to teach our kids to take personal responsibility because when we can learn to take it in the little things, in the personal areas of our life, that will eventually manifest itself in the outward areas and in our leadership. So that's why I talk about things like make your bed, clean your car, which I'm going to do today. Um, you know, get your assignments in on time. I'm always saying that to the academy students. I'm not going to burp you and you know, do everything for you. I'm not going to hold your hand and spoon feed you. You've got to learn to take personal responsibility. Um, And of course, this increases as you get older. This is why, for example, Cameron and I didn't 
gift a car to our two oldest kids that have got cars now um, because we want them to take responsibility for themselves and to learn to earn things and to not be given everything. So it just should come out in, in every area of our life. So let me give you an example of someone who's an incredible leader, who's a very quiet personality. It's one of my very favorite people, one of the greatest leaders that that I know, and um, she's not loud. She doesn't preach. She doesn't brag about herself. She won't tell you her achievements. And that's um, the other silent, I call it my silent partner behind the scenes of everything that we do, including Girl Next Door. And that's Renee, the other, we call her the other Renee. Um, she is our, what I call our visual storyteller behind Girl Next Door, behind Public and behind Youth Alive. She is always the person behind the computer, behind the screen, although she does lead worship as well. She's got incredible authority there. Um, and her stuff is so good, like her social media and all of that is so good that the Youth Alive Queensland social media was shouted out, given a shout out by Brady Shearer as one of the world's top 10 to follow and watch. So let me give you an example of what Renee is like behind the scenes. So when it comes to the Girl Next Door podcast, and a lot of you follow me on social media, I have like a shared document, a Google document, and that's where I put up, you know, the title of the episodes and then the different socials that I might be needing for the week. And I never, ever, ever, ever have to tell her that I've updated it. In fact, yesterday, um, she just takes it upon herself to constantly check it. And yesterday I put up some few things about the Monday parenthood episodes and, uh, how I wanted a social introducing it. I didn't text her. I didn't tell her it was there literally within an hour, my phone dings and she had already seen it already made a, a tile for me and then sent me the link so that I knew that it was there. And she's absolutely brilliant. She's an absolute pleasure to work with. And it's not just with socials. It's with absolutely every area of Youth Alive and our church that she just constantly is the person saying, I'll do it. I'll help. And she assumes responsibility. She never passes the buck. And honestly, she's one of the most incredible people I know. So big shout out. That's why when I say about the team and us here at Girl Next Door, Renee, the other Renee is a huge part of that. So let's have a look at what it means to take responsibility. And I want to kind of separate this into two parts. Um, I want to look at what the behavior looks like when it comes to us as a leader leading a group, um, what it looks like when we're a late leader who takes responsibility in the way we relate to our boss, and then in the way that we relate to other departments within our organization. And again, like I say, it could be within a church, it could be within a youth ministry, it could be within a business, it could be anything. Um, this is also how I run when it comes to, for example, the Youth Alive Academy, which has got a lot of moving parts. So I'm going to look at that, okay? So how taking responsibility manifests itself in our behavior in those three areas. And then at the end, we're going to look at um, five attitudes that uh, manifest itself when we are the leader that takes the most responsibility in the room. Okay, so let's start with the first one. Let's have a look at how our behavior is influenced as a leader when we choose to take responsibility when it comes to leading a team. You might be leading a team in your workplace, you might be leading a team in your church place. 
So let's have a look at that. The first thing I would say is if you are the person that is assuming the most responsibility, then you are actually willing to take charge and make decisions. Now that seems like, oh, come on, Renee, that's like basic, right? But Cameron and I have this saying, leaders lead. Okay. Just think about that for a minute. Leaders lead. Because we see so many times where people are in a leadership role, but they actually don't assume the responsibilities of a leader. They've got, this would manifest itself in what I would call weak leadership and the leader doesn't lead. So the first thing that you need to do to be the greatest leader in the room is to actually lead your team and be willing to take charge. Now, when you first take over a team, usually you've been a part of that team as one of the team players. And when you become the leader, you have to be willing to give up being one of the group. You have to be willing to accept those responsibilities that define your role. So for example, I remember when we first, um, when we first, uh, no, when I was younger and I went from being a, um, a connect group leader to being the regional assistant. So I then had to um, increase my leadership by not just hanging around the comfortable few people that were my friends who I used to hang around, but now I have to assume leadership by making sure that I lead and I spend time with and I relate to everybody who was under my charge, who was under my care in that role. And that can be hard sometimes when perhaps there are people on your team that you don't naturally gel with, or there might be people that you don't feel like they've got your back, or there might be people that actually intimidate you. But when you assume responsibility, you front up and you take charge and you lead those people anyway. Another thing is you stay on top of problems by the way of finding solutions. Cameron is brilliant with this. He's had to drum this into me because I'm a details person. I tend to see the problems and I used to frustrate him because he'd be like, don't give me the problems. If you see a problem, come to me with the solution already. And he says that to our whole team. And so a person who takes leadership in their role, they don't just pick out the problems, but they come with all the solutions. I remember when we started, um, public a few years back and there was someone in a leadership role and they used to email me. Well, they used to email Cameron and I literally paragraphs and paragraphs of the issues and the problems that they were experiencing in their particular role. And it would frustrate us because we're like, we know that there are problems because we're a church plant and there's always going to be issues in any organization, but she never, ever came to us with actual solutions. And Cameron wouldn't even read the emails. And we were so frustrated because we're like, hello, that's why we put you in the role because we need you to be the solution finder. Another thing that uh, would manifest itself in your behavior if you take responsibility with your team is that you take responsibility for the results that your whole team produces. And a really good thing to note here is a great leader gives credit when there's a win, but when there's a miss, you don't pass the blame, you accept the responsibility, you take the blame and you fix it. Um, So, for example, if you are leading a youth ministry, then, for example, our youth pastors, they take full responsibility for the, you know, how the youth group runs on a Friday night. So if kids aren't rocking up, they take responsibility for that. If they have a really great night, then they celebrate together. So that's just a few ideas about how you can take responsibility when it comes to leading your team. Now let's look at 
how this manifests itself in your behavior with your upline, with your boss. So the first thing is this, if you're going to take responsibility, then you need to be the one to find out what is what it is that the boss wants. What is the vision of your organization? And you've got a responsibility then not to outwork your own ideas, but to outwork and work in with his or her ideas. And when every department does this, there is so much synergy. Now, even recently, I was chatting to someone who I really admire. They've got incredible leadership. They're they're in a, a huge leadership role, a number of leadership roles. And I said to him, you know, I was really frustrated with a couple of people that I have to work with. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't know what to do. Like, and I was explaining the situation. And he said to me, Renee, when it, when people start, um, instead of people working around you, if you're working around them, then something's wrong and you've got to draw a line in the sand. And even if they're volunteers, then you need to move those people around into a different area. And that was a really good epiphany for me because I thought, you know what, that is so true. I'm obviously the, the leader and the boss in certain situations. And if I'm working around the people under me, instead of them working around me, then something's wrong there because God's given Cameron and I the vision for public. And so we need to be out working that together and not have people with their own personal agendas trying to work out their own um, their own agenda instead of the other way around. So it's really important that if you're a leader working under a boss, that you're working around them and you're not making them work around you. Another thing is you need to be able to accept criticism for mistakes, even if it wasn't you that personally made the mistake. So if there's a mistake that happened um, that your team was responsible for, you don't cast the blame and drop someone else in it and say, well, it was so-and-so's fault and just, you know, well, it's not my fault then and devoid yourself of responsibility. If that happened on your watch, if that happened within your team, then the greatest leader in the room will go, you know what? I take full responsibility for that. I'm so sorry that that happened. And then you take steps to make sure that that is corrected. And it takes a really big leader to do that because often our natural human nature is to shy away and not take responsibility for someone else's mistake. So if, uh, uh, for example, you know, something went wrong with the lighting on a Sunday service and you're over production, um, then, you know, you own that and you say, no worries, I'll, I'll fix that. And, and it's a it's a team effort. Another thing is you help move things forward and you make things better. We've got an incredible team around us like that. They're not just managing and maintaining their area of responsibility, but they're constantly coming up with ways and working together to improve, to improve Youth Alive, to improve our church all the time. And so it's really exciting to be a part of a team and an organization where things are constantly moving forward and evolving and changing. Be the leader that's a part of that. Be the innovative, creative leader who's on the forefront of of making good changes in your organization. All right, so that's the first two. The third one is, if you are a leader of greatness because you assume responsibility, how does that manifest itself when you're working in a department? And how does that look when you're working with other departments within your organization? 
Well, the main thing is this, even if something is not your responsibility, but it's the responsibility of another department, you still don't sit back and go, oh, that's not my jurisdiction. That's not my job role. I'm just going to let that fall between the cracks because that's another person's responsibility. Because when you are a great leader, it's not us and them. It's us, us, us all the way. So I want to give you an example. Our public staff team are honestly incredible at this. I We just are so... Um, we are so blessed to have this team. If, if anyone could win the most responsible award, honestly, every single one of them would. So we have Vanessa who, who's over finances and Izzy and Renee who are over our Brisbane campus, as well as the young adults and creative joys over kids, Shani and Sai over youth. But these guys are leaders who make everything their responsibility, even if it's not their department. If they see things falling through the cracks, they never fail to own it. They have zero personal agendas. And that's what we love. And we actually look for that on a team. We look for people who don't have their own agenda. Um, In fact, if we start hearing, oh, I want to do this, I and me, and this is how I'm going to outwork it, we're like, yep, no. We look for people who have the we, the us, the team mentality, where our one agenda is actually to work side by side to build God's work in our space, which for us is public or youth alive. You know, so Joy might be the one over kids, but she every week will send out the email to the whole database. And Vanessa might be specifically over finances, but honestly, I wouldn't even have time to tell you all of the things that Vanessa just jumps in and assumes responsibility for. You know, she pops down to our Brisbane campus once a month to meet new families. She plays keys. She helps me work out the keys to the songs each week that we have. Um, she offers to put them up on floor. It's just literally endless. Um, you know, Sai, who's our youth pastor, Sai and Shani, Sai offered to train more stage managers for Sunday, even though that's totally not his role and not his job. They are the most selfless, responsible group of people. And we love them so much. Honestly, we love spending time with them. It's just a pleasure. Um, I remember one day I was driving out of church and I saw that the signs were still out. Someone forgot to bring our signs in. And honestly, about 20 seconds later, my phone rings and someone else on the team saw the same thing. Now, it wasn't part of their role or their job description, but they were like, hey, do you want me to stop and pull the signs in? It is just a pleasure to work with a group of people. And that is how you raise leaders of greatness. That's how you be a great leader is you just assume the responsibility. All right. So that's those three. Um, and so let me, let, let us look at the second part of this, which is five different, uh, I guess, behaviors, um, that show the attitude of a leader who takes personal, who takes responsibility. Now, often these attitudes can be subtle, but they manifest themselves in really palpable and important ways. All right, so let's look at the first one of the five. And the first one, and I've kind of already touched on this already, but it's really, really important. And that is that personal goals are always subordinate to the organization's goals. All right, so this is again what I was saying before, that there's zero personal agenda. So if a leader of a department says to me, oh, let me tell you what I want to do, or these are my ideas, 
that's okay, but it's not okay if they've never ever come to me and said, hey, can I sit down with you and what is it that you are wanting? As the leader of the organization, what is it that you are wanting? What can I do? How can I help? And that actually earns trust. And, uh, and I'll give you another example again. When we first started working with Renee and Isaiah, particularly around the social and the visual aspect of public, they didn't just go off on their own tangent. Renee didn't just say, oh, I know what's really cool right now. Leave it with me. Constantly, until they understood who we were, because we were, we were new at working together, they moved down from North Queensland, we had so many conversations And I would do, and I still do all of the uh, written stuff behind public, all of the anything, all of the the headings and the writing, anything to the written stuff I do. And so Renee would constantly be picking my brain and then we would share Pinterest boards together. Um, You know, Cameron would say, hey, I've seen this. This is what I like. Never once did I hear them say, oh, we don't like that or I think this would be better. They just were like, no worries. And they worked so hard at outworking what we felt God had put on our heart, and especially because the creative side of things is so important to us at, at public. And they just, we had so many conversations that what happened is we literally, it's like we have the same DNA now. We, we just get each other. And now the tables are flipped. There is so much trust between us that, you know, often I'll say to Renee, like say, for example, with Girl Next Door, she knows me so well now that I literally go, go for it. I totally trust you. Do whatever you want. And then she loves it because she has fun and she gets to outwork all the fun, creative new stuff she wants to do. And literally she'll send it to me. What do you think? I think there's hardly a time where I go, oh, can you change this? Or I don't like it. I literally love everything that she does. But that's earned over time because we've worked hard together and they never came with a personal agenda. They always came with a team mentality. And and we're like that within every area of how we work. So that's my first one. So you have to put your personal goals aside and work in with the with the group goals. And the beautiful thing is, like I said, once you earn trust, then you get to have, you know, your ideas and you get to share the things that you want to do. But there's trust by then for you to outwork that. All right. The second thing is the way that this manifests itself in an attitude is the leader feels pride when the organization succeeds and they want to change it when it doesn't. And this is a really good follow on from the first one, because if you have the group's Uh, or the organization's best interests at your heart and not your own personal interests or your own personal ambition, then you really care about if the organization succeeds. And when there's a miss, you care about how can we help that? Um, All of the Youth Alive Academy directors that work under um, with me at Youth Alive Academy are all around Australia. They're brilliant at this. They all take full responsibility, not just for their state or their location, but I've got a team that are constantly thinking of ways that we can help um, make a better experience for all of our students right across Australia. And that is why we work so well together. We don't just keep our little talent for our little spot or our little location. We share it. And so everyone benefits. And that's because we've got a team here who feel great pride in our organization succeeding as a whole and personal agendas are aside. And it just works beautifully because then in the end, they get to outwork their personal strengths anyway. Um, 
All right. Another one. Number, what am I up to? Number three is, is, is that they do things for which there is no immediate reward, but they know is for the good of the organization. These have really got a thread to it. This is a great continuation on of one and two. But if you are the greatest leader in the room, the person assuming the most responsibility in an organization, then you're willing to do things for which you might never get recognition. You will never perhaps be praised for. No one might even know that you've done it. And there might not even be an immediate reward or any reward at all, but you know that it's for the good of the organization. And so you do it anyway. So I'll give you an example of something. um, And I try to lead by example in this. Um, But about a year ago, um, so my role in Youth Alive is mostly the academy, but also I do a lot of the conference um, stuff, particularly the more creative side of conference. But I started a Youth Alive Leaders Hub on Facebook And I just started popping it up on our socials and saying, hey, if you want to join and you you want to be a part of our Leaders Hub, um, doesn't matter where you are in Australia, you can come and join um, on here and we try and just do lots of practical support on there. And the reason that I started that is no one asked me to, Cameron didn't ask me to do it, but I just thought, you know what, we care so much about the young people of Australia that we want them to all have access to and to have great experiences in their personal, um, in their youth ministries. And if we can help youth pastors to create better experiences in their youth ministries, then we're really happy to do that. There's no benefit to me for that. I don't get paid to do that. No one asked me to do that. But I just thought, you know what, I'm just going to be the person that assumes the responsibility and does it anyway. And we post all sorts of stuff on there. So even recently with Wonderworld, um, you know, I, cause we've got a, a couple of hundred leaders in that group. It's a private group, but you know, I said to them, Hey, this is what we're doing. Obviously with COVID, we haven't been able to do our, our big conferences or our big events this year, but we're doing wonder world online, which Queensland did, but you know what? You guys are more than welcome to include that and watch it as a part of your youth ministry, your first night back for youth this year in 2021. There was no pressure to do it. People didn't have to, but then we started posting up there all of our socials for free, which Renee had created um, and a few of our other team. And it was like, here guys, have it all, have it all for free. Use it, use it as you want. Use the Wonder World online experience if you want to in any way that you want. Um, We gave run sheets so they knew how the night would run, so their night could run better. And it was honestly phenomenal. We just were tagged in so many stories of youth group after youth group that were had gotten together in all sorts of crazy, amazing ways to watch Wonderworld online. One youth group hired out an entire pool, and they all watched Wonderworld from inside, um, from from in a in a pool because the pool had a big cinema screen there. It was just incredible. But our our heart and our attitude is, um, you know, we don't care if it doesn't benefit us. We want to lead the way and we want our young people to have a great experience. So that's just an example of that. Okay. Attitude number four. Oh my gosh. This is a huge one. This alone tells us a lot about the leaders around us. And that is that they use the organization's resources even better 
than if it were their own personal resources. Oh, hot topic of mine. I'll give you an example. I remember I, I remember this specific example from a few years ago, but I've actually heard this across the board. The number of youth pastors who get into get the church into debt or get the youth ministry into debt when they run youth camps or youth events. We were always taught when we were in youth leadership back in our church in Adelaide, it was not acceptable for us to go into debt. Like that is actually such a lazy attitude to think to yourself, oh, the church will bail me out. If you have someone running a department and they get the church into debt in their department, then they're not the greatest leader in the room because they are not caring and being creative with the resources that they have and treating that better than if it were their own. That's why I'm saying that personal responsibility is so important because it eventually manifests itself in these ways. So um, I know this might sound pretty full on, but it's worked for, for us every time. We, we pretty much will be super cautious and not employ anyone if their personal life is in a complete disarray, if their house is a mess, if they're completely disorganized, we're like, no, because if they're like that in their personal life, if their car is always a mess, if their house is a bomb, if they can't organize themselves, how do we think that they're going to be able to organize and take care of the resource that God has given us in the church? We take the resource that we're given so seriously and with great a great sense of responsibility. So when I hear that a youth pastor gets their church into debt and is kind of a bit flippant and, oh, you know, the church will bail me out, that's not good enough. Like we used to fundraise with the, with our kids in our youth ministry and teach them how to come up with ways to help pay for themselves to go to camp. And we pass that sense of responsibility on. Um, a really good way to see this is to check your department's storerooms. Oh my gosh, I think I'm an OCD tidy freak person, but storerooms are one of the best ways to see this. Now, a lot of leaders don't give two hoots that something has cost the church a lot of money and they don't treat it with care. Again, not someone that I would ever put on a staff in a in a team. Um, so in our church, for example, we've got this really huge, it's a massive frame and this kind of this sign, it's like a material sign. It's like a sock, big sock, and it fits over it. And it's one of our um, public signs and it's super expensive. And one day I walked into our storeroom and it was literally screwed up in a ball, shoved into a box, and then the frame was thrown into the box and there was a missing piece. I was so furious. I was like, who did that? That is going to cost us another thousand dollars now because we can't just buy the individual piece for the frame. And those kinds of things really matter because it tells you when you're not looking, when the boss isn't looking, who's the person willing to treat things as if it were their own? Because if they are, then they're the person that's assuming responsibility. And if they can take care of something like a sign, then they're going to be able to take care of other things. And it's a godly principle that, um, you know, if you, if you're given a few talents and you do well with them, that you multiply that. And so it's something that we need to really take seriously are the resources that we're given. We've got a girl in our church that's brilliant, brilliant at this. And I know she listens to the podcast. Um, shout out to Chloe. But, you know, often I'll pop into the storeroom. She won't even know that I'm popping in. I just do like a bit of a checkup just to make sure everything's kind of neat and tidy. And often I've walked in. She's the last one there. She's 
tidying up because she gets this principle. She's just incredible. She constantly takes responsibility for the little things. That's a leader of greatness. Okay, number five, because we're running out of time. Number five is this one. And I struggle a little bit with this one myself as well, that it comes out a leadership, a leader of greatness who assumes responsibility, are willing to make the tough decisions that won't please everyone. This is a really hard one to do because you don't want to hurt people's feelings. You don't want to annoy people. But you know, in leadership, it's a tough principle, but it's a true principle that you're not going to be able to please everyone. I mean, I learned this as a teacher. I'm never going to please every parent of the kids that I teach in my room. I'm never going to please every child, but I have to make decisions for the good of everyone, even if it means not pleasing some people. And then I have to be willing to have the difficult conversations. I find that so hard. I hate doing it. Um, But, you know, a person could be the right person for a while in a particular role, but then to take the organization to a certain level of where you need it to go, then that person might need to be moved aside for someone else who can then take it to a new level. And that's a hard part of leadership. And I wish there was an easy way to do it, but a leader of greatness is willing to see that and to have that difficult conversation for the good of the whole organization. All right. So there's my top five attitudes of a leader who assumes responsibility. So let me finish off with this thought that if you want to gain authority as a leader, authority comes after you demonstrate responsibility. Authority is earned through responsible behavior. It's not the other way around. You don't get authority because you've got a title. Uh, You don't get authority because the leader of the organization put you in a certain role, you get and earn that authority after you've demonstrated responsible behavior and a sense of responsibility. So, you know, I'm often surprised at people who even still with with me will come and demand authority in positions and tell me what they want to do and even make subtle manipulative kind of threats like, you know, they subtly are kind of like, well, you know, if I don't get to do this, then, you know, I might just step off the team altogether. If someone ever comes to me with those kind of manipulations, I'm like, no worries, go step off the team. Because if they're going to manipulate you at that level, they're going to manipulate you with other things later on. And that is means that that person has a personal agenda and they're not willing to take responsibility and be a team player and do whatever it takes and put the organization first. They want to put themselves first and that person, other people will sniff that out and they're not going to earn authority. So authority comes after you've demonstrated an incredible sense of responsibility. All right, guys, we have come to a finish, 34, 35 minutes. Well done, us. Um, Guys, I really appreciate if you could um, rate, subscribe, share the podcast. That really helps me out, um, and I I super-duper appreciate it. Uh, Also, don't forget now we've got a new rhythm of Mondays are our parenthood episodes, and then Wednesdays are our normal leadership episodes. So, Guys, I love you so much. Thank you so much for coming and listening. I really appreciate it. And I hope you've had um, a really good half hour and that you've learned a lot. And I'll see you on Monday. Bye. Make sure you come and find me on social media, girlnextdoor.podcast.